Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Glad to have you this morning for another day which the Lord has made so we can come and rejoice and be glad in it. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is an outreach ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com, which uh, Deb is so efficiently placing right there on the screen. And you can check around that and see what we're doing, not only uh, based out here in Daytona Beach, but literally all across the United States and into Canada. And I encourage you to go to the, the button on that link that says uh, Raven Nation, and you can see our teams that are scattered all across the United States and into Canada. If you are doing a work in your area and you need some assistance in some of those things, you're out on the streets or uh, you're desiring to get involved in outreach ministry, we'd love to come alongside you or just know about your testimonies and what God is doing in your life or in your church. And uh, anything we could do to help in those ways, we would love to do that. If you have prayer requests that you would like us to, to, to send out to our team of international intercessors, you can actually send those to pray at biggrace.com, P-R-A-Y, at biggrace.com. We'd love to lift those up and stand with you in prayer. We believe that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. We've been seeing some tremendous things. Uh, happening in the way of prayer and just some tremendous testimonies. We just come off a period of uh, two weeks of uh, fasting and prayer and seeing God just do some tremendous things in there. And we just continue to get testimonies of, of God just intervening and seeing some tremendous things. Not only through that and there, but we've seen it actually happen live. If you'll remember last week uh, on the Raven Institute, we had a young man that came in and uh, really uh, a hater of God and came in and began to listen. He was bound by homosexuality and these things. And right here on our live show, he ended up giving his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you could go to his, his personal website and you can just see the transformation. He moved all the, removed all the blasphemous references to God and basically said, you know what, I know that my life has been turned around. And so we're seeing the answer to prayer. And I believe that, that the Word of God is faithful and it says that his hand is not shortened, that he cannot deliver, and his ear is not closed, that he cannot hear. I believe that God hears us when we call, he, we call upon him and he says that all those that come to him he will in no wise cast out and so we thank you so much for joining us today we're going to continue in our study in the book of romans we're actually on class what is it they have 120 126 in our study in the book of romans if you've not been with us in the past you say man i've come in late uh, you're really right on time you can actually go to our website and click on raven magazine and you can download all the previous classes in mp3 format absolutely free of charge we have received freely and we give freely you can take those uh, download them to computer burn them on a cd give them out whatever you want to do use it for a frisbee however you want to handle it but those things are free and available to you and i encourage you to get into them the last couple of days that we've had have been some tremendous things as we got into the, the close of chapter 8 and we began chapter 9. So I encourage you to go back and listen to those. Those are on the website now and you can download those. Also be praying for us in the next, I believe it's about two and a half weeks. We're going to be taking our teams once again into the city of New Orleans during uh, Mardi Gras. Since 1996, we've been taking teams into New Orleans. Uh, teams of they they began in '96 of nine people that drove from Amarillo, Texas, in a, a borrowed van into New Orleans and, and spent five days just seeing people come to Christ. And we got where well, we've had to charter buses. Now we got literally people coming from all across the United States and elsewhere to be a part of that team. If you want to be a part of that team, you can once again go to our website and click on Mardi Gras. We'd love to have you there. Uh, also. Uh, we're, we're eliminating all the obstacles. In the past, we have charged a registration fee to cover the cost of the meals and the place to stay. But we believe last year the Lord spoke to us and said, don't do that any longer. And he'll take care of it, that he'll supply our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so even though that outreach has uh, cost us a budget of about twenty to $25,000, we have eliminated the registration fee altogether because we believe... That when we take care of God's business, God will take care of our business. We need boots on the ground. We need people that are willing to, to just be moved with compassion, even as Jesus was moved with compassion in Matthew 9, 36, and to go out and to preach the gospel into all the world. So we'd love to have you there with us in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. You get there. We'll have a place for you to stay, some of the best food that you ever met, and a tremendous opportunity to, to impact so many folks for the kingdom of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and just see what he has to, to share with us. I want to welcome my father-in-law and my mother-in-law here in town. Uh, my father-in-law is here right on the control desk by Raven Deb. Y'all can't see him, but trust me, he is here. Uh, but good to have you. Good to have you, Pops. My father-in-law, Chester Fulkerson, and uh, his wife and our my mother-in-law, Twyla, are here for about a week. So good to have them. We're going to hang out with them this week. And uh, he'll probably be sitting here in the background during the during the next few days uh, as well. So we're glad to have them. And they're just a blessing. Good to be able to see them 
after too long. Anyway, Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you, Lord God, for this day and this opportunity to come into your presence. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, that are here with us today, and, and those that are participating, Lord God, in this class on a delayed broadcast. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that the Word tells us that it's a lamp into our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord God, that that Word is not just dead words written on a, on a page, Lord God, but it's the theonoustos. It's, the, it's that God-breathed manifestation, Lord God, of the, the incarnation of Christ Jesus that we've been entrusted with. And Father, we thank you today, Lord God, that uh, John 14 and John 16 and, and Luke 24, Lord God, tells us that the, the Spirit has come to dwell within us, Lord God, and to come and lead and guide us into all truth. And Lord God, I thank you that that word, Lord God, is becoming life and it's becoming uh, a rhema to us in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those that struggle, Lord God, even on understanding and a compre- uh, comprehension or retention of the word. Father, the word says that we have been given the mind of Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that we would have the, we'd be mindful and have the mind to be able to absorb, Lord God, what you would desire to teach us through your word today. Father, I just come against uh, all the obstacles and the, the things that have been troubling your people. And we just pray for those that have been sick in body. Lord God, there's many that have been sick. Uh, sick and afflicted. And the word says if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders in the church. And it says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that 2,000 years ago upon a cross, your son Jesus hung there. And the word says that by his stripes we've been healed. So Father, we pray for all of those, Lord God, whether they have a cold or whether they have cancer, Lord God. When we pray, Lord God, for the manifest power of the Spirit of God to begin to touch hearts and lives. Lord God, we've seen so many testimonies, Lord God, of how you've touched lives, Lord God, because we've stood in agreement and prayed. The word says, Lord God, that upon this rock, Christ Jesus, that you'll build your church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You said that you've given us the keys to the kingdom, Lord God, and whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, Father, we bind all sickness, all infirmity, Lord God. We bind all of these attacks upon physical bodies and we're asking, Lord God, just for the release of the anointing that breaks the yokes of bondage off of all those that are sick and afflicted, Lord God. Touch lives, touch hearts today, Lord God. And, Father, we just ask you to give us an urgency for the hour in which we live. Uh, Jesus told the disciples, he said, you know, you can go outside and look at the clouds and tell it's going to rain. Can you not even discern the signs of the times? Lord God, we see, Lord God, with the economy and wars and rumors of wars, Lord God, and, and all these storms and things that are happening, Lord God. We know that those are just birth pains of the last days. And we want to be ready because the word tells us that you're coming back for a church without spot or blemish, Lord God. Just let us be found faithful, Lord God, in all that we do and all that we say for you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. I was thinking this morning, folks, out of Luke chapter 4, 1 through 4. It says this, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. And it says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it says, Being uh, tempted forty days of the devil, in those days he did eat nothing. And they were ended, he was afterward and hungered. And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Folks, you know what? We, we always open up the, the, the calendar year with a extended period of fasting. Typically, it's the first week of the month. This this year, Melanie and I got actually started the day after Christmas, so we added another seven days to, to, to really seeking the, uh, seeking God. Because, you know, something the Lord has been impressing on me, you know, He, he tells us throughout the Scripture that, that whatever measurement we measure out is the, what's going to be meted back to us. And so, you know, another way to put that, He tells us is, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so I know whatever I pour out, God is with equal proportion going to measure that back to me. And so we really felt like, you know what, for 2008, we saw God do some tremendous things in, in 2007, saw many lives touched literally all across the world. But we've got such an expectancy for 2008. So, you know, you, you go into those times and, and, and he says Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. And we know from 1 Corinthians 3.16 that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit as well. That he's come to dwell inside of us and sit upon the, the throne of our hearts and to tabernacle with us. But I think it's interesting. It says that in that, and even in the Spirit, it says that He was led into the wilderness. I know some of you folks are going through some wilderness experiences. You're going sometimes that, that you're just out there and you're not yet seeing the promises of God. But I want you to know we're just standing in faith because we believe that God's Word is yes and amen. That, that He is not slack concerning His promises. The son men count slackness. But the Word says that He's long-suffering to us we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we're going to believe you, we're going to believe God for the fulfillment of those things in your life. Even as we fasted and prayed and, and believed God for that. But I also think about another reference to the wilderness out of Ezekiel, excuse me, Exodus 4.27. And it says, And the Lord said to Aaron, He told him, He said, Go into the wilderness to meet with Moses. And it says, He went, 
And he met with him in the mount of God, and he kissed him, or he greeted him. Then it also says in Exodus seven sixteen, it says, And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto you, saying, Let my people go, that they may worship me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you will not hear. Folks, I want to tell you this as a word of encouragement. Sometimes your greatest victories, even as we saw in Luke 4, 1 through 4, with Jesus going into the wilderness, some of your greatest victories are going to happen while you're in the wilderness. Don't don't despise the, the things that God is taking you through or the circumstances. Maybe you're in some difficulty. Maybe it's a physical challenge that you're trying to overcome, a financial or relational or, or whatever it may be that you're having to go through. But I want you to look in the midst of your wilderness, just like uh, the 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 example of Christ Jesus there in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. You know, that victory over the adversary, that victory over that challenge was met right there in the wilderness. Not only that, but even like Exodus 4.27, when, when, uh, when Aaron was told to go into the, the wilderness and meet Moses. You know, Moses is a type of deliverer. He was the one that was sent and to, 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 to declare unto Pharaoh to let his people go. And so it's a, he's a type of deliverer just like Jesus is. And so sometimes your greatest deliverance will actually come while you're in the wilderness. So if you've been crying out to God and say, you know, God, I've been struggling with this issue in my life. Maybe you've been like so many that the, at the first of every year they say, you know, God, this year I'm going to give up cigarettes or I'm going to give up whatever thing that I've been holding on to, whatever vice it may be. I'm going to give up that thing. I want you to, to really hold on and press into to, to, to Jesus in these these, these next few months. And I'm believing that even if you feel like you're going through a wilderness and struggle, that He's going to be your strength. And my encouragement is, is what we've been saying, just hold on, hold fast, uh, stand steady. And after you've done all to stand, stand ye therefore having your loins girt about with truth. And that truth is made manifest through the Word of God. And also, just like it says in Exodus 7.16, that He says, Let my people go that they may come and worship Me in the wilderness. Sometimes your greatest worship will come while you're in the wilderness. I know a lot of times we relegate our thanksgiving or our praise or our adoration unto God only on those high times and people can see our, 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 our stress or our fear or our doubt and unbelief all over us when we're going in the wilderness. You know what? When you're going through a wilderness, when you're going through those type of situations, is the time to rise above that. You know, we're not under circumstances. We're under the blood of Jesus and we stand as a covenant people that God has extended so many promises to. So I encourage you, don't let 2007, uh, 2008 be another year like 2007 for you. If you ended on a down note, if you uh, ended with a, a lot of fear, doubt, unbelief, struggles, allow 2008 to be that year that God shows up and shows out in your life in a powerful way. That word wilderness, I just want to give you this real quick. It's the, it's the Hebrew word there in, in, in Exodus 4.27 and Exodus 7.16. It's just midbar, and it means an uninhabited land. But folks, it also means the mouth. That's what's interesting about it. He was led into the wilderness. He was led into a place that means the mouth. And what's interesting about that is it's, a, it's your place of, of communication or your place of speech. And so sometimes the only place that he can deal with how you speak or the things that you say is in that wilderness. And what's so important about that, the Word says that one day we're going to have to give an account for even every idle word that we speak. And we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and you know, when we fill up our heart with the Word of God, even as David said, he said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. And I want 2008 to be for you that year that you get the Word of God in your heart, that you hide it inside of you, that, man, that Word is just coming out of you. You're speaking forth that word of life and of life, that word of truth. Jesus said that you're like a city set on a hill, but a, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And don't take that light and hide it under a bushel basket. Folks, listen, that light is that light that came into the world according to John chapter 1. And that light has become in that same chapter the light of men. Let that light be that thing that proceeds out of your mouth. But folks, listen, sometimes he'll take you and he'll shut you in the wilderness or he'll shut you up before he can lift you up. And I want to say that to you. Sometimes he'll have to shut you up before he can lift you up. Sometimes you just got to learn to get alone before God and begin to seek his face. And I've said for years, you know, God gave me two ears and one mouth. So, you know, he expects me to, to, to listen to him twice as much as I talk, even in prayer. And we look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. Folks, let your prayers in 2008 be more than just a, a time of endless petitions. Or God, do this for me, do that for, uh, do this for me, bless me, bless me, bless me. And let your, your prayers be a time of listening to the voice of God. Folks, listen, the Word says that His sheep know His voice, and another they will not listen to. 
And if you haven't been hearing from God, the question is, have you been listening to God? Because God has never stopped speaking. He is speaking into our hearts and lives moment by moment. And so getting into that Word, I believe, is what God is going to open up that channel and allow uh, the Word of God to get into you so you can be that instrument of righteousness that He desires to use in the last days. I I love this quote from uh, the great evangelist Leonard Ravenhill, the Englishman. He said this, he said, The Bible is either absolute or it's obsolete. You know, I want the Word to be absolutely the, the, the final say-so in my life. Because if it's not absolute, it's obsolete. Then he says, where there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, he said they call it legalism. Folks, listen, this is the Word of truth. The Word says heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word shall not pass away. Let that Word be the foundation of your life. Let that Word be what comes out of your mouth like that sharp two-edged sword that is the discerner of the thoughts and the tents of a man's heart, able to pierce even to the divine asunder of soul and spirit. Because it's that Word that's going to get you through in these days. Even as Jesus said right there in Luke chapter 4, it is written. If you're in the wilderness, if you're going through temptation, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. And also know this, that there's no temptation that comes upon you but that which is common to all men. That with every temptation, He provides a way of And folks, the way of escape is that word. If you've been struggling, the chances are you're not in that word. If you're not having victory, if you're not having joy unspeakable and full of glory, if the power of God is not flowing in your life, the chances are you did not take the time to allow the word of God to speak to you in 2007 that you need to in 2008. So that's why we're here. I want to give some greetings also to some of our pastors in foreign countries that are with us on a regular basis. Pastor Aziz in Pakistan. Actually, Pastor Aziz called me yesterday and he was talking to me about the situation with the, the assassination of the former Prime Minister uh, Bhutto there, and I asked him how the situation was. He said it was kind of hairy there for a while, and but things are, are really uh, uh, picking up and, and kind of leveling out. He said, but it really hasn't affected. He lives about 30 miles from uh, from Islamabad and uh, and uh, excuse me, Istanbul uh, and. Uh, no, it is Islamabad, excuse me. He lives about 30 miles from there and uh, said, man, they're just out there on the streets preaching the gospel, seeing God do some tremendous things. So Pastor Aziz has given us an invitation, wants us to come there to uh, Pakistan and minister uh, there in his city, and we're planning on doing that. And also, Brother Naeem from Pakistan, uh, we greet you, my friend, and thank you so much. These pastors, if most of you don't know, they download our, our messages and they uh, they share them with their congregations, even their churches, and they use these things uh, as a training tool. And so, you know, thousands upon thousands of folks in, in Pakistan, India, and elsewhere are, are receiving these teachings through the Word of God and others that we make available through our website because they're free of charge. Unfortunately, uh, much of Christianity is for sale. Folks, listen, I receive everything freely, and so we freely give. And uh, a lot of times they don't have access to these things because, uh, you know, uh, 5 or $6 is a, a wage for the entire week. And so when Christian sites are offering these packages for twenty nine ninety five for six CDs or whatever, it's just totally out of their range. And so they, they really, they, they're so appreciative when we make these things available. So Pastor Aziz, we love you and we appreciate what you're doing. You guys are our heroes in the faith because you really stand for righteousness even when it could cost your life. Pastor Naeem in Pakistan, Pastor Christopher in India, Pastor David Olu in Kenya, Pastor Sowa in, in Ghana, uh, West Africa, Pastor Mibiachi in Kenya, uh, Pastor Galaya in India, Pastor Akoju in Nigeria, Pastor Advento, Philippines. You guys are really testing my ability to say these four names. Pastor Kalinga in Tanzania, Pastor Wygar in Liberia, and Pastor Ramanath in Trinidad, which is in the West Indies. Thank you guys so much, and we love you, and we pray for you, and we just ask that you would be encouraged in the faith, because you guys are the ones really doing it. We have it so easy here in the West, and in our, in our, in our westernized Christianity, and we complain about our circumstances circumstances if our room's too hot, but you guys are out there doing it even at the threat of your life. And I'm just always reminded as I thought about you men out of Romans chapter 1 verses 8 through 12, it says, at first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. For, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both you and me. And I want you to know that even as Paul said that to the church at Rome I say that to you that, that pastor the churches in India, Nigeria, Tanzania, the Philippines and 
Trinidad, Liberia, and Pakistan, India, and Kenya, and Ghana, that, that our prayers are continually for you, and we do. We, we, we make mention of you before God constantly, and we just pray that your, your names and your churches and the tremendous things that you're doing are just echoed in the corridors of heaven, that God is blessing and keeping you and touching you, that there's great revival that is happening in your nations, that you're seeing the manifest power and the miracles of God poured out, and, and as well as you know your many invitations to come, we are endeavoring to come and to, to be with you and to invest in you, even as you invest your love in us as well. So we love you and we pray for you and we say God bless you. So folks, this morning we're in the, cha- the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, one through three we, we studied yesterday and, and we talked about it. It says, I'm going to go ahead and read verses one through three to you as we uh, uh, dive into these next verses. But uh, Paul the Apostle, once again, he said, I say the truth in Christ and I do not lie. And he says, my conscience also bearing witness me, the witness of the Holy Spirit. He said that I have a great heaviness and a continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Folks, really, we, and we laid this, this out, uh, you know, in, in, in great detail yesterday. And, and Paul the Apostle is really himself laying it out that, that in regards to his desire really to, to demonstrate to this Jewish audience that, that he was not only speaking to them under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but also he was speaking to them with such a tremendous urgency and a, and a brokenness that, that really could only be described as anguishing. That when Paul the Apostle began to write this and, and Rest his Jewish audience that that for for national Israel they had rejected the Savior they had they 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 crucified Christ and they rejected him and they were suffering the consequences under the hardship of this uh, this this uh, difficult uh, Roman regime and he was crying out to them he said listen I'm, I'm calling out to you I'm saying the truth in Christ Jesus I want you to know that the Spirit of God is bearing witness with me and it's been corroborated by the testimony of my life and 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 and, and it's uh, had the continuity of the Word of God that's showing forth. And he wants them to know that those things are happening. And he, and if that was not enough, it was soaked really with, with the tears of an individual who literally would say to himself, God, if it's possible, if, if I could pour out my life, if I could die so, so these people don't have to go to hell, I would do it. Obviously, that's a moot point because there's only one that would, would die for us. But Paul the Apostle was saying, literally, I would be willing to lay down my life. And why is that so important? Because it ought to be our testimony. Paul tells us, he said, follow me or be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ. And folks, there's no greater love does any man known than a man that would lay down his life for a friend. And really, that's the requirements of Christianity. You know, the Lord spoke to me years and years ago as I was pastoring in Texas in prayer. And he said, you know, it's not enough to be evangelistic. You've got to be altruistic. You know, evangelistic is out just reaching people with the gospel. But being altruistic is literally living your life for the benefit of other people. Folks, listen, we're not in this life uh, 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 for an unlimited period of time. You know, the Word tells us that this life is but a vapor. It's not to consume upon ourselves the, the riches of this world or what we can obtain or what we can have. Folks, listen, I, I live in a, in a decent house. I drive a 10-year-old van. It gets me where I'm going. I have it much better than, 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 than very many people. Obviously, I probably have it much better than these pastors that we pray for in these other countries. You know what? I'm, I'm, I don't have what many people have. But Paul the Apostle said, you know what? I've been a base and I've been abound, but in all these things I've been content. And so we've been so blessed by the hand of God. But folks, listen, we're not in this world for what this world has to offer. We're in this world for what God has to offer us and how He wants it. He tells us, He said, don't lay up treasure for yourself here on earth where moth and dust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. He said, but rather lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where moth and dust cannot corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal. He said, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Folks, listen, we've got to be like Paul said right here to the, to, to the, the, the Jews at, at the church of Rome. Listen, I wish I could lay my life down for you. Because, folks, really, that's what it's going to take. That whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for his sake will find it. Have you been laying your life down? Or have you just walked into a mode of convenient Christianity? Folks, listen, if Christianity is anything, it's not convenient. Christianity will cost you everything. He said, if any man desires to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Him. Folks, listen, you can never genuinely declare the name of Jesus unless you're willing to die to yourself and to allow Christ Jesus to become in you. We've talked many times about Galatians 2.20, that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I that live, but it's Christ, Jesus, who lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live to the glory of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And so if we if we can extract anything from that really that, that that third verse of Romans chapter nine, it's folks listen, we have got to endeavor to
to live the life of laying down our lives for other people, to, to live our lives for the benefit of somebody else. And every one of us, I know at times, have walked in selfishness. I know I have. I've walked and I've, I've worked and labored and, and had the ambitions to, to gather something up for myself. Folks, we've all made that mistake. But I tell you what, we don't have to continue to make those mistakes. We can begin to say, God, for whatever you've given me, I want to, I want to run that race with, with earnestness. I want to be like Paul the Apostle said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen, I've ran the race. I've finished my course. Henceforth, I'm ready to be, be offered. And, and there's, a, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. But not only me, but for all those that love His appearing. Folks, are you ready for the appearing of the Lord Jesus? Because He's coming. But He's coming back for a people that are willing to pour out their lives for other people. And so Paul said there in that, he said, listen, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking because it it bears witness and it's corroborated by my life and by my witness and by my testimony. But not only that, if I could, if there was something I could do, if I could make it easier on you somehow, I would do that. But the fact of the matter is, folks, listen, each and every single one of us have got to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. So that takes us to verse 4 this morning as we're going to continue to dive into this tremendous, tremendous chapter in the book of Romans. And here's what he says. He says, go ahead, I'm going to step back just a second and read it again. He said, I say the truth in Christ, and he said, I do not lie. He said, because my conscience also bears witness to me in the Holy Spirit. He said, I have such a great heaviness. I have this anguish and this continual sorrow in my heart for you. He said, but I wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for, for my brothers. He said, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He said, because they are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and His promises. I want to take those three words just for a second. He says, who are Israelites? And when does he say that? He says that immediately after the fact of him saying, listen, I wish I could lay my life down for you. And so what he's actually saying is he's answering when he says, who are Israelites? He's actually answering who he's talking about in verse 3 of who his kinsmen are. And folks, listen, one of the things that we really need to note as we look intently at these next couple of, of, of chapters is the fact that this book of Romans, which has really as its core, you know, we've called the book of Romans the Magna Carta of the New Covenant because, you know what, we're, we're talking about, here we are, 125, 126 lessons into the book of Romans, and we're only at the ninth chapter out of 16. And you know what, it'll, it'll probably be well over 200 uh, hours of, of, of study in the book of Romans in this teaching. And, and we've, we'll, we'll have just scratched the surface but he's speaking to them through this and this this whole book is really tied to one thing the redemptive process of mankind he he tells us in chapter 3 all have sinned and come short of the glory of God all have fallen out of the way but we see throughout it that he speaks to the Gentiles he says listen here's the issues here's the solution then he goes back and he speaks to the Jews here's the issues here's the solution so when he begins to speak he says listen folks he said I want to to tell you something God has made a covenant with you you're you're Jews you are the Israelites Israelites, you are the kinsmen, you are the ones that, that God called from a, as a people to, to, to do a great work for Him, and you've, you've blown it, you rejected the Messiah, but God is long-suffering to, to, to you that, that He's not willing that you should perish either. And so He begins to speak about this reconciliation process of both the Jews and the Greeks to Himself, and He specifically deals with them. But some people, folks have concluded that because the Jews rejected Christ, that they're really no longer a part, a true part of God's plan since they rejected Him. And along with rejecting Him, that they rejected the benefits of the salvation that has since been extended to the Jews. Folks, listen, there is nothing that could be of any uh, further from the truth. You know, the, the Word says that, that, that pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that, 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 that caused Jerusalem the apple of His eye, caused the, the Jewish people His chosen people. And that's never changed. Malachi 3 says that He is the Lord God and He does not not change. God does not break His promises. He says, I am not a man that I should lie or the son of a man that I should repent. God is continually, just as He's continually working things out in your heart and life, He's continually working things out with this covenant people that He's called. And so while we as Gentile believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have certainly reaped the faith aspects of salvation, there are unique promises that God has given both to us, the church as His bride, and to the Jews who He's called throughout the ages His chosen people. And all of these benefits really, folks, flow out of the same sacrifice. They flow out of the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. And so you and I sit here, if we're Gentile believers, reaping certain benefits. We reap the benefits of the grace and mercy of God. Uh, Ephesians tells us that we're saved by grace and not by works, lest any man should boast it's a free 
free gift of God. We're His workmanship created unto good works. We've got those benefits of that. We know as we studied Romans chapter 8 that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit for what the law could not do and that it was weak in the flesh. That that, that law was given but Christ came to, to see the fulfillment of that and as we go to the law giver and the fulfiller of that, man, we've got the benefits. But just as we've reaped the benefits of that, there's these benefits that are extended to the Jews that are continuing even unto this day. And he's continuing in, in a relentless pursuit of the restoration of his covenant with them. And, and I think about what Galatians uh, 3, 26 and 29 says this. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 29 in relationship to Romans 9, 4. He says, For you are all... How many? All. We are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So you see the universality of that covenant that God has made. But in within that umbrella of umbrella for the Jews and the Greeks, there is these specific promises. Then he goes on to say in verse 29 of Galatians 3, and he said, If you be, in, be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to that promise. Folks, let me ask you a question though. If we are heirs of something, if you know, uh, you know, if somebody say the 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 Hilton hotels, if I was an heir to the Hilton hotels, if the the grandfather, whoever happens to own that 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 company now dies, what am I heir? I'm going to be a recipient of what? A, a fortune in hotels. If I'm heirs to 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 whoever owns General Motors or the Ford Motor Company, I would be heir to the product of that. Folks, listen, he says that we are heirs according to the promise. We are heirs of, uh, of, of salvation. We're heirs together with Christ Jesus. And, and so if we're heirs, are the Gentiles the heirs of the responsibility and the requirements that the Jews were heirs of responsibility of? Absolutely not. We are heirs of his promises. The Jews were heirs to the responsibility that was given through that Mosaic law. Folks, listen, we know through the, the testimony and the, the great preponderance of scriptural evidence that the Jews were given this tremendous law and they could not even keep that law. And the word tells us in, in Romans 8 that the, that the natural or carnal man is, is, is enmity against God, that, that, that he can't keep the law and he's not subject to the law because he can't even be subject to that. But they were given that great requirement. But we're not. We, are, we, we see the fulfillment of those things in our life. Now, I want to back up just a minute. And so we, we look at the requirement. And this, I want to back up to, to Galatians 3 once again, but verses 14 through 17. So what are we heirs of as Gentiles in relationship to the seed of Abraham? He says, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Now, did he say the law of Abraham? Or did he say the requirement of Abraham? No, he's saying, listen, I promised you the blessings of Abraham on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He says, brothers, I speak after the manner of men. He says, though it be that a man's covenant, yet it be, uh, uh, yet if it be confirmed, he said, no man can disannul that covenant or add to that covenant. He said, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, not and to seeds as many, but as one and to the seed which is Christ. And he said in verse 17 of Galatians 3, and he said, this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Folks, listen. What he's saying is even though that, that, that covenant was extended to the, to the Gentiles, the promises and the requirement of that, all the, the, the issues that he called Israel to, the Jews to, listen, he said they're not going to be made of none effect. I'm going to call them back to that. They're going to see the fulfillment of those things in that nation. They're going to see the fulfillment of those things in their life. Folks, there's a day coming. When, when God is going to restore Israel. That, you know, we, we look at the, the revelation. We know that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. We know that God is going to do a tremendous work in them. And He is working those things out. And I believe that we, we're seeing the things in the Middle East that are transpiring that most certainly have to come to pass to see it happen. But folks, I want to say this to you as Gentile believers. The, the blessing of Abraham is the product of faith. And so if I have faith towards God, it's the blessing of Abraham. It's not the requirements of the law. It's the blessing that he has. And so the, the, the blessing of Abraham is the product of faith, and it provided salvation to the Gentiles, which is you and I. But folks, also the promise of the Spirit through faith was also provided to the Gentiles. And so I want to say this to you this morning. We have been extended the benefits of the blessing and the promises, but because these benefits, blessings, and promises came as a result of the Jews rejecting the Messiah, 
who came to fulfill the law, we get the benefits apart from the requirements of the law. Do I need to say that again? We've been given the benefits, blessings, and promises, but because we received them not through Abraham, but through the fulfillment of, those, uh, of the, the law through Christ Jesus, we get to reap the benefits and the promises without the requirements of the law. And so if you think that you're keeping strict dietary laws, that you can't have, go out and have you a pork chop, or you can't do these things, or you have to worship on, the, uh, on Saturday, or whatever. Folks, listen, those things have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Those things have been given to, to, to change and transform our, our lives. And Christ Jesus did that through that covenant. And so we get the benefits without the requirements, which is, is, is really rejecting uh, with the Jews. They rejected the new covenant for the old. But the uh, the Jews are literally, it's all going to be brought back to bear upon them. There's going to be a day and age when it's going to happen. Why? Because he said no man can disannul those things. So as Paul was crying out here in the ninth chapter, he's saying, listen, he says, my my brethren, he says, God has has called you. God has has given you these promises. He said, I'm weeping for you. But he said, but you've got to know that it's going to come bear upon you one more time. That God is going to come and he's going to deal with you in a very uh, powerful way. They cannot be disannulled. They cannot be removed. It will not be canceled. They will not be obliterated or in any other way will God diminish the promise that, that, that He has made to you. It cannot be disannulled or added to. It is that it is what it is and, and it will be accomplished in the covenant that God made with the Jews. Folks, listen. One day I think I'm going to teach in this format our, our teaching on the, on the book of Revelation. You know, there's a lot of teaching. It's all this spooky stuff. Listen, the revelation is the revelation. The word revelation means an unveiling. It's the unveiling of Jesus. I, I taught it once in, in, in a home setting in, in Texas and it took about eight months to do that. And I'd love to do it in this form uh, sometime and, and really teach that because I believe it would open your eyes to some things. It would remove all the spookiness, all the fear. It would really give you a greater revelation of who Christ Jesus is. He had moved from, as we talked about uh, yesterday, is, is, is your Jesus just that, that lowly carpenter? Is he the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And you'll see the unveiling of him for the ages. And so, you know, I, I believe that, that, that I may teach that sometime just to really show you that, that, that there's some things that are scheduled and, and to be played out in not too distant future. And so he says, he says, he goes on to say, he said, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption? So he's, he's calling out and he's identifying a particular people that he's relating to. It's the people of the covenant. But he goes on to say, he said, you're Israelites to, and I'm telling you something, it pertains to a particular adoption. So this, this refers to the selection of Israel to be that peculiar people chosen by God. Folks, listen, we're not the chosen people. We're the bride of Christ. Two different things. The Jews are people that God chose for a particular purpose, and God is going to see the fulfillment of that. Why can I say that? Because Exodus 4.22, we can go back to, back to Exodus. It says this, it says, Thus saith the Lord, He said, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And we can look in the Gospels. The Gospels were specifically written to a Jewish audience. There's obviously the applicability to us through faith and because they rejected it. But even when Jesus uh, spoke and gave the parable of the prodigal son, that is a picture of Israel. You know, they took all the benefits. They wanted all the things that, that, that the Father had, had given them. And it says that, they said, we, we want, and what did they do? The, 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 the prodigal son went to the Father and said, I want my inheritance now. In other words, he said, I wish you were already dead. What did the Jews do? They, they killed their Messiah in order to try to reap the benefits. But it says the prodigal son went out and he spent all that he, had, he received with riotous living. And one day he found himself right there in a pigsty. Folks, i got news for you one day. Uh, Israel is going to wake up in a pigsty one day. The, the word speaks about this abomination that make it desolate. When the, when the Antichrist would come and the, and the false prophet and they would begin to offer literally the sacrifice of swine upon the altar and, and cause what's called the abomination that make it desolate. There's going to be a come a time when they're going to come to themselves just like the prodigal son did and say, listen, I would be better off as a servant in my father's house than to be here uh, 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 eating with the pigs. That's what it spoke of. And so God has not disavowed or disannulled that covenant with them. But He's waiting for them. And just as the, the father, the prodigal, ran out to, to greet Him, there's going to be a restoration of all things because they are the chosen people of God, chosen for a particular person as His firstborn. Israel is His his son. And so what we talked about, uh, and really we talked about this in the past, folks, is when Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, he was taken directly out of a place of idolatry. Abraham wasn't this guy who knew God. He wasn't this guy that was doing all this stuff. Listen, if you'll look at the, the life of Abram before God spoke to him, he lived just like everyone else did. But the difference was when God spoke to him, he, he, he received that word readily. 
Now, some of you, God has been speaking to you. God has is, is, is wanted to touch you. We see it all the time. We, we preach on the streets, not only here in Daytona Beach, but, but elsewhere around the, around the country. Some people will receive the, the Word readily. And, and, and God will do something in them and because of faith. The Word says that Abraham had faith, and because of that faith in what? The faith in the Word spoken to him, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, folks, I can either receive the Word of God, and it's going to be righteousness. Or I can reject the Word of God, and it's going to reflect back judgment upon me. And so Abram, when he was called out of his idolatry, God spoke to him, selected him to be the father of many nations. He told him, listen, he said, your seed is going to be like the sands upon the seashore. He said it's going to be innumerable. And so God gave that promise. And so this, this is who Paul is calling out to, these people of this covenant promise. And so he was called out to head up a group of people, the Jews, the, uh, Israel, who would literally be God, like God's special forces. And if you, and we talked about this early on. And these people were entrusted to set the standard and eventually pass on the benefits of that covenant that He would made with them to the Gentiles. You know, if you got somebody that joins the military, some of you may be ex-military. Deb's here, and she was ex-Air Force, I believe it was. Ex-military. But within the, with, even within the military, you have special forces. And the special forces go into special training. They, they push it further, and they, there's a greater requirement there's more danger in all these things. Who the Jews were when God called them out were the special forces. They looked so much different than everyone around them. Their, their, their dietary laws, their marriage laws, everything about them set them apart from everyone around them. There was, there was nothing that was uh, uh, like them. They were, they were forbade to, to marry uh, uh, women from, from other nations because it would it will infiltrate. It says that they'll lead you to serve strange gods. Folks, listen. We look at them and we look at that covenant that God made with them as those special forces. Even as, as, as Paul was saying, listen, you are the Israelites to whom pertaineth this adoption, this covenant. Folks, listen, it's no different than you and I. We are called a peculiar people. We're called a, 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 a holy nation. We're, we're called a royal priesthood. We're called to come out from among them and be separated. I want to ask you a question and relate what Paul's speaking here in the ninth chapter to the Jews where, where they allowed the infiltration of these outside things to come. You know, we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And that's not just talking about in, in, in dating or in marriage. That's talking about in the ways of the world. We're in the world, but not to be of it. Paul the Apostle said in Romans 12 too, and, and that 12th chapter is going to be a tremendous one to get to. He said, don't be conformed or don't be an imitator of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove out what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Have you found yourself wedded to to strange brides? Have you found yourself uh, being a friend of the world? Because the Bible says that the friend of the world is the enemy of God. And he said, then you become as your father the devil. And so folks, listen, if we're going to walk after Christ, we need to walk in the Spirit so we're not walking in fulfillment to the lust of the flesh. And we need to allow the the, the, really the, the radiant power of the Spirit of God and the grace and mercy of Him to show forth. He said, not everyone that says unto me in Matthew 7 shall enter the kingdom. But those that do the will of our Father who is in heaven. He said, many will come to me and say, God, well, I did this and I did that and I did that. And he said, depart from me, I did not know you. They named many tremendous things. We served on the church board. We were a deacon. We went to the class or whatever else. But he said, because you did not do the will of God. Folks, we know what the will of God, that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he prefaced that by saying, you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears, by its carpos, by its reproductive fruit. We've got a responsibility to reproduce after God's kind. And that only happens when we share our faith with other people that are lost and dying. But folks, listen, we know that he gave the work of the cross. They rejected the, they rejected the responsibility. Israel was, was, was called as that, those special forces. They were called to be that, 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 that people that were the, the delivery agent of that covenant, the Jews. But because they rejected the requirements that God had given them, the cross then became the new instrument of the covenant. They were at one time the instrument of the covenant because they rejected it. Boom. What Jesus did, He went to the cross and now the cross is that new and living way. It's that place. The work of the cross became the work of perfection. Whereas the law, the law had flaws because it, the law involved the, the hearts of men. The cross in all of its perfection. That's why Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 2.2, 2, he said, I'm determined not to know anything among you except Christ 
Jesus and Him crucified. He said, I believe in one in First Corinthians one seventeen. He said, the pre, He said, listen, Christ didn't send me to, to to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with the enticing words of men, unless the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He said, for the preaching of the cross is to those that perish foolishness, but to under which are saved, it's the power of God. Folks, listen, they rejected the covenant that covenant responsibility. God fulfilled it in the cross of Calvary, extended that to us, but He did not take the requirements away from them, and so that's why Paul is so adamant. That's why he's literally through his anguish, through his tears, crying out to them, trying to remind them, listen men, listen women, listen Jews, listen Israelites. God has called you out. He's, he's called you to a place of adoption. He's, he's called you in Exodus 4.22. He says, you are the firstborn. You are my first son. You are my, my children. You are that prodigal and I'm calling you back to myself. But Hebrews 10 and 20 says this. He says, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, or what Jesus did. Folks, I want to say this. During what we call the age of grace, or if you, uh, if you use dispensational language, the dispensation of grace, or the church age, however, however you want to put it, the, the bride really has truly reaped the benefits of their rebellion. We sit here reaping the benefits of someone else's rebellion. We sit here today enjoying the relationship we have with God. We have we enjoy the benefits because they rejected Him at that time. So we got the we got the really a fast forward on the on the benefits of the gospel of grace brought into our life apart from the law because they rejected Him. But folks, listen, I want to say this. Once again, this has not disannulled God's promise to them. And there's coming a day which Daniel called the 70th week of Daniel. You know, God promised them 70 weeks or, or seven periods of seven years, 40, 490 years. But what's interesting, once they rejected him, it, it came up short. It was only 69 weeks. But he's going to give them the opportunity for that 70th week of Daniel, that final period of, of dealing with them in a powerful way, specifically for him. Uh, you, we call it the Great Tribulation, or the Tribulation Period. The time that Revelation 4.1 gives very descriptive, you know, that we're going to be caught up out of here and God's going to begin to deal once again with that covenant people. And, and we're not going to be a part of that. And so the, the clock will start once again upon those last seven years to see that covenant come to pass. But folks, listen, the good news is that they will see their covenant come to pass. And this is what Paul is trying to tell them. Folks, listen, you've been given a promise. You've been adopted. I'm not going to cast you out. I'm able to keep those things that are committed to me. God God has made a commitment to you, and even though you, you, you've suffered uh, uh, many things, many atrocities, many of you have been lost, many of you are going to be totally separated, I have not forgot the covenant that I have made with the people that I have called out. And he said, who are Israelites, and I want to move on in that verse, to whom pertaineth the adoption, that's what we're talking about, and the glory. Folks, this is what is powerful. When, he's, when, when Paul's speaking to them, uh, and once again what he's doing in these first few verses, he's reminding them. He's reminding them who they are. He's reminding them of what God has called them to. He's reminding them of what God has spoken. And, he, and when he says, you know what, you've been called in pertaining to that adoption and the glory, that glory literally refers to the presence of God, which Israel alone was privileged to have in their midst. When, when, when they had their tabernacle in the wilderness, when they had their temple. But because at this time, when Paul began to write this, there was really not the true glory of God being made manifest. The, the Sanhedrin, which was the, that, that, that hierarchical order of the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees, literally they, they had forgotten their true calling that God had placed upon them. And instead they'd become just this, this dead religious group of people that, that Christ Jesus referred to them. He said, you're like a, a whitewashed sepulcher. You're just like a, it looks good on the outside but it's dead on the inside. He said, you're like a, a cloud without rain. And he called them a, a brood of vipers. He referred to them. He said, you know what? On the outside, you're, you're doing all these things, but your heart, you draw nigh to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. He said, they're like those that, that, that have a form of godliness, but deny the power. They deny this manifestation of God's glory. And so all they could do was try to rest on the laurels of something that happened in the past. But he's reminding them. He said, listen, God had entrusted us with His glory, but Ichabod, has come upon this nation. Ichabod means the, that the glory of the Lord has departed in, in the Hebrew. And, and so he's telling them, listen, you, were, you had the glory of the Lord, and they knew it. 
They knew that the glory of God was not there upon them anymore. They knew that the power of God was not being made manifest. They knew that the, the, that the tabernacle place beyond that veil was, was just now an empty room that, that all it was is a, 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 a historic religious artifact devoid of the manifest power in the presence of the Almighty God. And so they'd become religious instead of messengers of the covenant promise of God that, it, that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. And I want you to look at something in regard to what he's talking about. That Listen, you've been given a covenant promise and it pertains to the adoption and the glory. And it's back to Exodus chapter 16, verses 6, 7, and 10. Verses 6, 7, and 10 in Exodus 16. And it says, And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, He said, At evening time, then you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. How will they know that God had delivered them? He said, Because in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. And so he was given that instruction. And he jumps on down to verse 10. He says, And it came to pass, as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness and beheld, there's that wilderness again, and beheld the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. So he told them, he said, Listen, I've just delivered you. And out of that deliverance, you're going to be in a place of the wilderness. But I want to let you know that you shall see the glory of the Lord. In the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord. Folks, listen, I want to tell you something. The promises of God are yes. They are amen. Those that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And the word tells us that sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. He's telling them, listen, you've been sorrowful. You've been sorrowful because you rejected the Messiah. You rejected the one that you have literally been been weighted with baited, baited bread and it's sitting on the proverbial edge of your seat waiting to show up and he's, he's there and he came and you rejected him so sorrow has filled your heart but he said i got news for you God will not withdraw his covenant it will not be disannulled it will not be disavowed it will not be obliterated it will not be removed but I will not diminish that but I'm going to bring you to that place and he goes on to say concerning that glory in Exodus chapter uh, 40 verses 34 through 38 Exodus 40, 34 through 38 he said then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And it says, Moses was not even able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, it says the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. What he was saying is, listen, there became something that guided every step that they took. When the, when the cloud moved, when the glory moved, they moved with it. When it stood still, they stood still. Folks, you know what we call that? We call that being led by the Spirit today. Because the cloud is not over a tabernacle, but He has chosen to tabernacle with us. And so in our hearts, when God says to move and to go do things, some of you know my testimony. I pastored in Texas for years and years and years, uh, there with my friends, my family, my church. But when the Spirit of God began to stir inside of, of Melly and I and said, I want you to go, what did we have to do? We didn't have a choice in the matter. He said, I want you to go. He said, here's where I want you to go. Here's where, uh, what I want you to do. And here's where I want you to live. Now, we could have continued to maintain where we were. And we would have sat there in much like the Jews of this day. They sat there in an empty tabernacle. They sat there without the Spirit of God. They sat there without the favor of God. But when you begin to move and do the things that God has told you to do, what happens? He continues to tabernacle. And so the, the Holy Spirit spoke to us. He said, I'm moving. I want you to go to New Orleans. We went to New Orleans. The Spirit of God was there. He, he, he'd done tremendous things. We saw thousands, literally thousands of people uh, get touched by the Spirit of God in, in their lives uh, come to Christ. I saw over 800 people personally give their life to Jesus on Bourbon Street the three months following Hurricane Katrina. So that's the type of glory that we saw. Then God spoke to us. He said, I want you to go and you're going to start a work in here in Daytona Beach. So here we are. And if the Lord spoke to me and said, go to Ten Buck Two, and that's where the Spirit of God goes, you know what? That's where I'm going to go because I know that God has always been faithful. But I want to move when He moves and I want to sit still when he says sit still. But folks, Israel ceased to, to look to the tabernacle. They ceased to that. How many of you today that God has spoke to you to do something and you did not move? And you sat there and you've twiddled your thumbs for, for weeks, months, and some of you for even years. You say, well, what happened? Where's the blessing of God? It's, it's in His glory. And you know, the good news about the, the Holy Spirit is that He's real good at playing catch-up. He can... 
exponentially move you into that place. He said if you're faithful to confess your sins, you're, you're not moving with the Spirit. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is that space between you and God's glory. And so if I could remove that, what happens? There's no more a division between me and my obedience to God. And so Paul the Apostle was, was referring back to them about that place when they were, were, when they were responsive to the voice of God. And he said, listen, you need to come back to that place. You don't need to sit there and, and be filled with grief and sorrow about what could have happened but what didn't happen. What you need to do is be brought to remembrance that God has given you a covenant, that He has adopted you, and He wants you to come into that place of experiencing His glory, the, His peace, the manifestation. He tells them in the Gospels, He says, listen, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. I've told you to do something. I'm going to keep dealing with you according to that call. I've given you instructions. I'm going to keep dealing with you according to that call. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're middle-aged. I don't care if you're old. I'm going to continue to deal with you according to what the instruction that I've placed upon your life. And here's the good news. He said to the prophet Haggai in Haggai 2.9, He said, Then the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former, says the Lord. He said, In this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Folks, listen. They may have missed it, Back then, they may have missed it 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and dwelt among them and healed the sick and did all uh, a manner of tremendous things. They may have missed it, and they did miss it. But folks, listen, the glory of the latter house. When Jesus Christ comes and He begins to bring a fulfillment of all of His promises and even restores Israel as the promises went forth, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than that of the former. What they, what they're going to make, what's going to be made manifest, the, the experience that they have and the revelation of Christ Jesus that comes upon them is going to be so much more greater than anything that they could ever know. And you know what? I, I guarantee you when the prodigal returned to his father's house, he certainly appreciated his father so much more. He, he appreciated the, his father's sacrifice. He appreciated the investment that his father made. He appreciated everything. You know, I, I could say that. i got an example of that myself. When, when my son Jared turned 18 years old, he decided he was grown and he was going to get in his car and, and he was going to leave his father's house. And he had, he had gotten where he was always being disrespectful and, and not appreciative. And he said, you know what, I'm going to go live on my own. I'm going to go to Texas. And so he moved to, to Texas when we were living in New Orleans and, and we had moved to, to uh uh, here to Florida, and uh, he, he went and spent, you know, eight or nine months on his own. And I guarantee you, when he finally said, you know what, I want to come back, he's been much more uh, respective uh, of, 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 of his father and his mother and of everything that we bring into his life. Has he arrived there yet? Totally? Absolutely not, but I'm believing God's doing a work in his life. But it's that same type of deal. Folks, listen, with, with Israel, God's going to bring them back to that place, and there's going to be a greater revelation. I'm believing that, that the, greater, uh, the, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than that of the former. So he goes on to say in, verse, uh, uh, in this, this verse, uh, verse 4, he says, Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants? Folks, listen. God's, God's glory, God's truth is always tied to a covenant. A covenant is something that God makes that's unbreakable. You know, there's such a, a disdain in Scripture for covenant breakers. If I tell God, listen, this is my life. I've made a covenant with you. I've given my life to you. They were continually walking in this, this, this backslidden state. We're continually walking in the ways of the world. That's called being a covenant breaker. But see, God is not like that. God, God is not like men that He's a covenant breaker. And He expects us to, to follow after that. But He tells, he tells them, listen, God's made you a covenant and even Though you broke your side of the bargain, God will never break his side of the deal. And so it speaks of the covenant which God gave to Israel in order to empower them to be that channel that would reach the world. And folks, listen, after the work of the church, the body of Christ, after, listen, we're caught up in the rapture, and I don't believe in some escapism that, that we're just going to run for our lives. I just believe that what the Word says, that we are not appointed unto wrath. That the, the wrath of God is that period of time that God is going to begin to, to restore that covenant to Israel and deal with them. And so I'm not an escapist. I believe that in this world we will have tribulation, but the Word, the word says that, uh, but do not fear because uh, uh, He has overcome the world, and we are overcomers through Christ Jesus. And so, but that covenant is going to be revealed to them. God is going to bring them to that place so they can be that messenger. We can look in the, in the Revelation and we can see that He's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish people that dare to believe the covenant, that are going to walk in that covenant promise. They're going to be that vehicle that, that God is going to use to evangelize the, the world after that we're taken out of the way and allow God to restore just exactly what Paul is speaking of right here. Who are Israelites uh, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the services of God and of His promises. You know, folks, what's, what's so powerful about that is that God reveals really the whole package through the testimony of Paul to the Jews. He says it's adoption, it's glory, it's covenants, it's law, it's servants, 
in His promises. Folks, listen, they were adopted. They were the firstborn. And with that, uh, being firstborn, there was a glory that was associated with that. But not only was there a glory, but there was a covenant responsibility in it that was brought about by certain laws. And look how he just categorically goes through those right there in that verse. They were, they were given a law, they were given a responsibility, and that responsibility was for a particular service, to do certain things, to live a certain way, to act a certain way, to see a fulfillment of certain things. And in doing so, what are they going to see right there in that verse? And the promises of God. If you want to see the manifest promises of God, you've got to work, walk in the adoption, allow the glory, allow the covenants to make manifest, be obedient to the instructions that God's given you through His law, do the service, then the promises are going to be fulfilled. Then verse 5 says this. It says, Who are the fathers and of whom are concerning the flesh came, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. So what he was saying is, listen, because of where you came from, that ancestry that you had through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it enabled you to become a partaker of that. And so he's relating right back to that. Listen, because of who you came through. He said, listen, uh, that Jesus came through the seed of, uh, of David. And you are a part of that ancestry through the, through the covenant that I've made with those people. And so as a result of that, that covenant, God is going to bring you back to that place of the manifestation of all those promises. Then in verse 6 says this. He says, though, not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. And I'm going to talk to you tomorrow in detail because we're out of time about verse 6 and how that you know what there's not this free pass for the nation Israel as some people think but he's going to bring them back to that covenant folks we are totally out of time this morning for this edition of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies I'm going to invite you back here tomorrow the the same time 9 a.m. Eastern time for a study in the Word of God where we're going to uh, pick up right here in Romans chapter 9 verse 6 I've got one bit of advice for you as I always do get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you